Hello, I'm Craig Seibert. Hello, I'm Stephen Duenas. Uh, we're the hosts of Meet Me at the Table podcast. Uh, it's focusing mainly on Christianity and how it's lost its personal connection to people. Uh, but we also want to leave the table open to discuss other areas as well. Uh, we're going to tackle issues like women in leadership. Today, actually, is going to be that. Uh, leadership roles in the church, acceptance of those in the LGBTQ plus community, or racial indifferences. Uh, we set the table for all sides to be heard in a respectful manner. Uh, and today we have Kelly Matlock, the pastor of Icon Church, which I just found out Icon actually stands for image or image of God in the church. Uh, it's at www.iconchurch.com. Uh, Kelly, welcome to our podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. It's good to uh, have so you. tell us a little bit about you and the church itself. And, and we'll keep it brief because I know we're going to dig into a lot of stuff, but just tell us about you and the church a little bit. Sure, sure. So um, I live in Kyle, Texas, which is a little south of Austin with my husband, Dan, and our four kids. So yes, life is very busy for us. Um, <laughs> I Let's see, I am an avid reader. Um, I could live on the beach. If I could, I would. I love the beach. I'm an introvert and an Enneagram nine for those who are into that. Um, I love my people fiercely. My friends and family are my whole world. Um, I am a pastor. Like you said, I'm a Christian. Some days a reluctant one. Um, <laughs> I deeply care about justice and working toward a world where there is liberation and flourishing for all. So that's just a little bit, little bit about me. A, a forceful leader as an introvert. I, that's that's got to be right? weird. <laughs> yeah, it's so. like I've said this before where I'm like, you know, as a pastor, it's like I I really, I do love people. I just don't always want to be around them. So it's like. <laughs> it's my wife. Like in, you just summed my wife up completely. <laughs> yeah. That is that is my wife too. I, I'm an Enneagram aide. So I, I would I would just assume that all pastors are Enneagram aides, but those yeah. are probably just the youth pastors. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's good. Awesome. Awkward silence. No, it's, it's that's awesome. I appreciate you kind of giving us an idea of, of who you are. And again, we're going to kind of dig into the church and where, sure, where you are sure. in the church. But um, so, Stephen, you wanted to jump in? Yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of uh, segue this to kind of what how we found Icon Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we kind of explained in our introduction podcast a little bit of why we left the church. It was kind of broad, um, but we left the church. I had been to the church that I've been attending since I was 15 years old. Um, and me and my wife ultimately left the church. We just didn't feel like we were being spiritually fed anymore and for other reasons. And um I went to the new Evangel- new evangelical Facebook page and just asked the question like, Hey, what is not a political ch- driven church? Just find mm-hmm. me a, what church does a lot of you, you know, go to. And, uh, a couple of people uh, typed in icon church. So we gave it out. Mm-hmm. We gave it a try. We have given a, a couple other churches a try, but we gave icon a, a try. And just from the very uh, first Sunday you had uh, started and you do this every Sunday where you start when right before worship, where you say uh, this this thing, where it's you know if you've been hurt or if this, however you really want to worship, you can turn it off, you can do whatever you want to do. And I looked at my wife and I was like, did I just freaking text her? Like, 
I have like she literally is saying exactly the reason of why part of the reason we left our church was you know a lot of the things was the worship stuff and you just kept going and going and I was like Hannah did you text her like literally what what the heck and um she's a pastor and hooked. a psychic this is like wild <laughs> like, what the heck? Um, and then you just kept like, uh, I, I don't exactly remember the, the, the sermon that you spoke about every, every just second of it, we just kept looking at each other. We're like, holy crap, like, this is just amazing. Um, and we've been listening ever since. So, um, mm-hmm. it was just, it's it just crazy. Every time you, you do that segment right before the worship, it's just like, wow. Like however you want to worship, just, just, you can mute it. You can turn it off. Um, really whatever you want to do. And just that really resonated to me. So first off, thank you. Um, I've really enjoyed icon church. You know, it's, I, I, while it is in Texas and, you know, I'm in Maryland, I feel like I have been, um, been at this church for a long time. Mm. Um, obviously there's a couple of people that are just, uh, really make you feel connected on the, uh, the chat, you know? Yeah. Um, and that just right there alone, right. Really makes you feel loved and cared for. So, uh, thank you for leading that and also providing that during COVID and, um, you know, I would love to hear how things have changed since COVID. And I'm mm. sure we can get to that because the church drastically either changed or failed during COVID. So yeah. I feel like you guys have thrived and, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, before we get past that point, though, I do have a question because, you know, Stephen told me the story. Stephen told me, you know, how he felt when he came in that first day and he felt like you were reading his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've obviously said that for a reason. You've said mm-hmm. that because either somebody has said something to you about being heard or if you've, you've seen enough of the deconstruction thing that's moving kind of through the world right now with, with churches and everything. Was that a specific incident that someone came to you and said that, or was it just your awareness of what's going on? So a little bit of both. Um, honestly, I personally, when, you know, several years ago started, you know, I know deconstruction is like this hot button word right now, you know, but probably back in hmm, around 2016, I think was when I really started leaning heavily into that. And that was actually one thing that was really hard for me during that time was I would sit at in the worship service of the church that we were pastoring. And my husband and I both are like going through this major journey of deconstruction. And I would stand there and I would listen to the words of these worship songs. And I would just go, I don't believe any of this right now. And not only do I not believe it, but some of the things that they're singing about is like actually hurting me. Like these concepts about God that we're putting in these songs are actually hurting me. And I, I would find myself struggling to even sit in the worship services. And then since then have had lots of conversations with folks where for whatever reason, uh, that worship time is really hard for them. And it it's triggering in a lot of ways. Um, I think it brings a lot of people back to the ways in which they felt manipulated. Um, they felt like that those times that, sh- that can be very meaningful for people, um, but that oftentimes they were used, sort of weaponized against them. And so um, I remember I had a conversation with someone in one of my, in my virtual small group. And, um, she was sharing about how worship is so hard for her. And I thought, you know what? I'm like, we need to start, not that people need our permission to do whatever they're going to do, but I was like, I think it would be really helpful to, to just let people know you're normal. 
like we, a lot of us have been there. This it's okay that this is hard for you. Um, because we just really, we want to do everything we can to meet every person where they're at and to let people know that doubts and being triggered by things in church, that all of those things are so normal and that they don't have to carry shame and guilt around them. Well, and they should be validated. Yes. I mean, I think that's where, where Stephen and I have kind of run into this situation with the churches is sometimes they uh, are aware that things are out there or even mention that things like that are happening, but they don't validate them. Yeah. They don't say, you have hurt, you have pain, you, you, we, we understand that it's valid. We're going to talk to you about it. We're going to yeah. do something about it. We're going to move into another. And I think that's kind of interesting again, that, that Stephen mentioned that you, you did take that next step. Mm-hmm. You did say it's okay, but you also said that it's valid. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Yeah. You feel that way, but it's also valid that you feel that way that you could make those decisions too. Yeah. So well, sorry, I Stephen, I didn't mean to jump in on you. But... You're good. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and I think for the, within church worship is usually the first thing that you walk into the doors. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of times when the pastor or leader is, is leading, they, they segue of it, of saying worship, however you come. But then when you go behind the curtains, it's, and they're not even raising their hand yeah. or they're not even listening to what the songs when it says to bow down. So you say one thing, but then you put all the stipulation of you have to do this. So yeah. when you as a worship leader, which me and Craig were on the worship team and we, we see that mm. it's just like, well, you're saying to worship however you want. And people just sometimes just want to sit there. My, my wife's an Enneagram nine. Sometimes she doesn't feel comfortable with singing in front of people yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. So let people worship however they want. So when you said that, it was just like, you know what? Maybe <laughs> I'm working. I'm, I'm living at home right now. I'm not going to a, a physical church building. I don't feel comfortable standing in my living room, <laughs> raising my hand, and my kid saying, "What are you doing?" And me having to explain. Maybe I just want to sit here and listen to a great voice leading a worship and just going, "This is a good song." Mm-hmm. And then listening to the message, and uh, I just it really resonated. So uh, I, I, you know, thank you again for saying that and, and recognizing that sometimes. People do have a hard time and, and are triggered by worship because it's, yeah. it's a true thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we kind of stepped forward. So now <laughs> I need to reel it back. So let's start from like the beginning. Like what sure. made you want to become a pastor, you know, from the, from the initial start? And what challenges did you see working through that? And then how did you come to Icon Church? It's kind of like a one big you know, large time frame question. But yeah. let's start at the beginning. Like, how, how, what made you want to become a pastor? Where did you want? Where did you start that journey? Oh, so it's so funny because I feel like, as far as like now being in this, you know, kind of lead pastor role, I feel like I kind of happened upon that accidentally through circumstances. <laughs> that was never, that was never like in my twenty year plan. You know, I like never really thought about <laughs> that. I mean, Dan and I have been, uh, we've been married. We'll be celebrating twenty years in July. And we have been in full-time ministry since day one uh, in some serving in some capacity uh, with a couple of different churches. And there came a point about five years into our marriage, I think, where we for sure were still part of the white evangelical machine. So I want to be clear about that, that like we were still there. However, we had started to notice that the church that we were a part of at the time, we did not feel comfortable inviting friends of ours who were not part of a church. We did not feel comfortable inviting them. And so we started asking questions as to why and sort of 
having this desire to someday be able to create a faith community for people who normally wouldn't feel comfortable walking into the church. And so um, we started like as time went on, you know, we had at this time we had about three kids. We were serving at a church in Illinois um, and started having conversations of what would it look like if we planted a church? And I got to be honest Um, Dan was really more driving this conversation. Um, I mean, we had three young kids at home and so I was in the throes of mothering three young children. And so that was sort of all consuming with my time and my energy, but it is, it is. (laughs) Yes. Um, but we started having these conversations about, and, and we, and we were not, we were very unfulfilled in the job that we were in. We're starting to ask a lot of hard questions. Um, and just really felt like it was time for us to move on. And so uh, through a series of events, we had a friend who was a, a pastor in Austin and they their church wanted to help start a church in the San Marcos Kyle area where we are. So we ended up deciding to do that. So we moved down here with about 20 other people and decided that we wanted to start a church that people who don't normally go to church would be comfortable attending. And we wanted to, you know, just, I think those kind of bright eyed, like young pastors coming into a place, like we just, we really genuinely wanted to um, serve the community well and love people well. And so then in, in 2012, we moved down to the San Marcos Kyle area. And in 2013, we officially uh, launched the church and that's how ICON began. Wow. That's, that's crazy. And then you never would have guessed 2020 would happen and COVID and (laughs) I'm sure it's been uh, perfect ever since. Oh my, the journey we have been on has been, I could write a book. I really could. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And as I'm sure you've seen, uh, what would be your response to the churches that allow women only in certain roles in the church and allow them not, uh, obviously not for them, it's, they won't even let you lead, uh, you know, over men and John MacArthur's response. I'm Mm. sure, you know, John MacArthur, God uses women, but only for bearing children and following those traits. And that was his response when someone in his congregation asked him, Hey, can a woman be triggering? I think that's triggering Steve. (laughs) I'm a little frustrated on that statement. I'm I'm a little triggered myself. That's a quite quite disrespectful but yeah yeah good question well, though what would be your response to those types of because it's sadly it's 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 probably the majority of the church that mm. that states that at least in america yeah you know i really wish i think i just really wish that pastors and and church leaders who hold to a theology that subjugates women i wish they would actually listen to the voices and stories of women Um, it's very clear that they are not, um, you know, when, when you've got, you know, the majority of these women that are saying that complementarian theology is so damaging and the fruit is so rotten and it's hurting women, it's crushing the image of God in us. And I just really wish that, and ultimately I think we know it's about power and control. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and it's very clear that many of these, you know, and oftentimes, you know, these white male pastors with large churches and large followings that hold to these kind of beliefs, um, yep. 
it's it's about maintaining their power and control. And we know this and they're not willing to let go of that. But I just I just wish that they would listen to our stories and listen to us when we tell them this is this is hurting us. And so therefore, how can you say that this is God's design when this whole population of God's image bearers, you know, 50% of the population of the planet um, is being crushed by something that you are saying that God said had to be, or that you are saying this is the truth. And um, it's just so, it's so devastating to see um, just the effects that this is having on women and the way, and the effects it's having on the church as a whole, because when yeah, you, I was going to pro- add that. Yeah. yeah. When you prohibit, you know, half the people from being able to fully be who they're supposed to be, you are losing out too. It's not just the women. We, yes, women are suffering, but so are men because the men that hold to these views are missing out on the beauty and the richness and the theological depth and the perspective that women bring to the conversation. I think yeah. perspective is a good word for that. Perspective is definitely the the uh, the key word in that is because if if you if you suppress that perspective, you you lose the other side completely. And I think yeah. that's what's missing in a lot of churches is listening to that other side, kind of what we talked about when we started. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, even not just the pastoral area as well, leadership uh, and in any parts of churches is is restrictive. Um, I went into a Baptist church. How it's been quite a few years ago now. Uh, with a girl I was with years ago before uh, I got long before I got married, she wanted to try out churches. And I went to a Southern Baptist church in Florida. Mm-hmm. They actually, when they started to, they, they did like the hymnals and they started singing and everything. And we got done singing and the pastor said, okay, well, it's time for us to start the sermon. And all the women in the room got up and walked to a back room. <laughs> They literally would not what? let them listen. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I, I Now, the girl I was with at the time did not get up. She was not like, I'm not, you know, I don't even know what this is. But yeah, they actually had all the women get up in the entire congregation and walk to a back room while he pastored. Wow. Yeah. Not even, yeah. Wow. Not, I was uh, quite shocked at that, at that situation. But I think that's not uncommon. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, even, even today. I mean, th- that was probably, you know, 20 years ago when I did that, but. I still don't think that's uncommon. I still yeah. think there's churches yeah. that 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 operate that way. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the cutoff? I was thinking about that this morning. Like, what's the cutoff? I went to a Christian school my whole life, and the majority of the teachers were women. Mm-hmm. So what's the cutoff? Like, so they uh, women can teach kids, but when they become men, they can't. But it was the same people. Like, like I can remember parental figures even saying like women can't be in leadership, but they were sending their kids to school to be taught by women. So it's just like, so they could teach kids, but once they become men, where's the cutoff? Yeah. Like there's no, and there's no biblical truth to it. Like, and that, which segues to the next like kind of question was, have you ever felt like the Bible itself is what hinders women being respected in leadership roles? And I got this kind of question from a book that I'm reading. I can't remember the name of it, but the kind of question was also for racial injustice says, mm-hmm. has the Bible ever really kind of prohibit or have, have black people ever felt like the Bible was kind of used against them? And the same thing for women where it kind of, there's Bible verses where it kind of really does degrade women. Like yeah. you look at first Timothy two, 11 through 14, where it says, let a woman learn quietly 
with all submissiveness. Or if you go look at 1 Corinthians 14, where it says the woman should keep, uh, keep silent in the church. And these are the main verses that men, white evangelicals, <clears throat> preach about. It says the women should shut up and just submit yep. and listen. They should just bear child. Yep. But there also are some supportive ones and they just go, well, that's just, they're just telling the story. Yep. Those verses that support it, they're just telling a good story and they're doing a good job at it. Yep. So it's like, where's the cutoff? And why are we picking and choosing Bible verses to support our prerogative? Yep. Well, and that's, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is, is it's, it's picking and choosing what part of the text we're going to take literally and what part of the text we're going to say is contextual. And often whatever that is aligns with the lens that we are already coming to the scriptures with. And so, I mean, there are things, I mean, even as you were reading that, I felt myself have a visceral reaction internally. (laughs) I I felt watching your eyes roll. I'm like, I I know she's going to be like so mad when she comes back. (laughs) It's just, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like there are some things I read that Paul says that I'm like, dude, I do not agree with you. Like they don't sit right with me. I do think, you know, I think part of that problem, again, comes to in the way that scriptures are interpreted and the fact that, you know, most evangelical Christians insist that their interpretation of the scriptures is the only way. And I don't, I think oftentimes culture and context are not rightfully considered in a lot of these passages that we use um, to, you know, oppress entire groups of people, you know, and at the end of the day, every single one of us is coming to the text with a particular lens, right? Like you can't, we cannot separate that from how we approach the text. So whether that's our social location, our socioeconomic location, our privilege, our place in hierarchy, our lived experience, you know, all of that we are bringing with us to the text. And, and so to deny that, you know, is it's like, we're all doing that. So let's at least be honest about the fact that we're doing that because when we refuse to admit it, that's when we see people being able to take the scriptures and weaponize them against people that ultimately they are trying to control. Yeah. I think we also forget in America um, because a lot of us, you know, we live where we live and we stay where we uh, were grown up. Yeah. And I, I have traveled the world and uh, I think we forget that a lot of times in the Middle East or, you know, in this areas of where the Bible was, uh, was talked about, the women were majorly oppressed and oh, yeah. they were still not are. educated. <laughs> yeah, still are. And they like, that's, that's what I was going to is like, I've been to those areas where women are oppressed. They're not educated, unfortunately, because the men will not allow them. And that's what the times in the Bible were. So obviously when Paul was writing that, he was saying, well, the women are not, that's the way I interpret it. The women were not educated to be preachers. So it's just like, can we evolve and change? Because now, I mean, we see that women are given more equal rights. They're still not to where it needs to be, but we are given more, the world is giving women more rights. Mm -hmm. So can we evolve or do we have to stay to what the Bible times were, where women were not educated, which is sad. Well, I think that's a tricky slope anyways. You had actually mentioned time and, you know, location both then and now. I mean, now the world has changed quite a bit. Yes, there's still some areas, like Stephen said, where that that still women are oppressed physically and mentally, and and not allowed to go to school, not allowed to get an education. But you know, is is this a living document? If you stick something in the time frame that it was in, and don't let that evolve or don't let that breathe, 
then you get what we've got today, where you've got a society that has changed drastically from what that text was even edited to be, mm-hmm. or, you know, vetted and fixed the way they wanted it to be. And not that I'm against the Bible, it's a great book for ha- pulling things out of and being having spiritual things, but there's a lot of context that yes. is completely taken out yes. that should be actually put in that you should look at the context of the time and place that this was said as compared to what it is now. And if you don't leave it as a breathing document, it's, it's really going to start getting stale quick with, with the way society is moving at this point. Yes. Well, and you, and to say, to stick with just that, you know, with the first Timothy verse that people love or second Timothy, whatever one it is that people love to pull out. It's like, but for that, for every verse that says that you also have, all of these examples in the New Testament of Paul empowering women to lead mm-hmm. portions of the church. So it's yeah. like you can't like you can't take one passage absent of its culture and context and say that this is biblical truth and because you're dismissing then all of these other instances where women were in fact empowered. And if you look at the life of Jesus, my goodness, can we talk about how Jesus empowered women? Can we talk about the fact that the first person to preach the gospel was a woman? You know, can we talk about the fact that at the cross, when Jesus died, the men all ran away, but the women stayed. Like there's all these examples of like women being empowered. And so when we... We, it's this perfect example of picking and choosing whatever fits your agenda that you are trying yeah. to get across. And that I think that when we look at this issue of complementarianism versus egalitarianism, which I even hate those words because I'm like, <laughs> complementarianism to me is like, that's just a nice flowery way of saying oppression. You know, I'm like, it's, yeah. but it's, it all comes down to, uh, people refusing to see the lens through which they see the scripture and the ways in which it's weaponized uh, to harm people. And if people would just listen to the lived experiences of people, they would, I think that the needle could be moved because when you're forced to hear the way in which the things that you believe are harming others, oftentimes that that's enough to start moving the needle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And I think that, I think that needle's really starting to, to slightly move. Mm-hmm. With a lot of things that are going on in the world, both yeah. with LGBTQ plus, mm. with women and preaching, with uh, race and stuff, that we're all going to, you know, address at some point in time. And mm-hmm. I think that your your church is affirming. We are, we are, we haven't always so, been, but we are. Yeah. So accepting and affirming, I always hear those two different things. Can you mm-hmm. kind of describe the difference between those two, or is that something yeah. that you guys denote the difference between? Or yes. Yeah. So to give a little backstory. I don't know how familiar you are with the Assemblies of God uh, denomination. Uh, that is the denomination that we actually started as, as a church. Um, okay. They are very conservative. Now they are egalitarian in that they do, uh, you know, very much so women, women are in leadership, women are pastors, yep. women are acceptance, open acceptance. Yeah. Yes. However, I mean, there are still underlying ways in which, you know, I think <laughs> they <that>, suppress. <laughs> yes. Um, but very, in, in many ways, very conservative and absolutely not okay with LGBTQ inclusion. And so, um, so we actually, you know, 
and you know, my whole life I was raised and taught that, that to be gay was a sin. That's just what I was always taught. And there was, yeah, there was just no, there was no conversation that was just, it was what it was. And so part of my husband and I, as we went on this deconstruction journey, that was a huge piece for both of us as we just started looking at things and going, this is not lining up in the same way, like looking at the fruit of exclusion and of not, of non-affirmation, that fruit was just rotten. And so (laughs) that was one of the big pieces to kind of fall in place for us was where we each personally came to a place of affirmation. And then we actually took our um, our leadership team, our board of elders on a journey of discernment, because we realized it's really important to be clear where you land, because when churches aren't clear, that's when people get hurt. Oh, yeah. um, so we took our board on this process. Long story short, our board landed in a place of where even though there was not uniformity, there were some board members who personally uh, would would have said that theologically they were more traditional in that way, um, but decided as a church that the best thing moving forward was for us to be a fully inclusive affirming church. Uh, so that happened. We announced that in February of 2020 and then COVID hit in March of 2020. <laughs> right after. So, um, yeah. So, um, you know, we, it was definitely, uh, I could, this could be a whole podcast episode in and of itself, yeah. like talking <laughs> about that journey for us. And actually it's what led to my husband's resignation. Uh, just because of the doubt, like kind of the fallout uh, from that, it was not pretty. It was very painful. Um, was devastating. We ended up losing our church building over it. Um, however, uh, I will say that the past two years have been some of the most beautiful for our community. Um, in that, just the healing that has been able to happen. Um, LGBTQ folks who have finally been able to find a place where they can fully be themselves, whose faith is so meaningful to them and who long to be a part of church, but unfortunately for much of their lives, um, you know, have been hurt. And so, um, so yeah, we are now, we are a fully affirming church. Um, You know, we say you don't, even if you disagree, like you are still welcome here. You know, we, we want to be but we are very clear that that in practice and in the way that we talk and communicate, like that we are 100% fully affirming at LGBTQ folks. Kelly, can I ask you a question? When, when COVID hit around that same time, did you receive messages from people kind of saying that this is, you know, COVID was a reason why that, you know, you're turning to accepting gays and then COVID hit and you lost your building. And this is the reason why. No one actually ever, because I feel like all of the, I think people kind of moved on from all of the nasty messages by the time COVID hit. (laughs) Um, It was sort of like in for, you know, the weeks immediately following. So that wasn't something that people said. However, I mean, people were, you know, telling us that we were going to be judged. We were going to hell. We were, we were responsible for sending, taking other people to hell. Um, you name it. We all the Christian it. things that you say to people, yes. right? All and it the, was the all nice Christian from, things you say to people. All of it was from, and most of it was from <sighs> Christians that we didn't even know personally, but just heard about what was happening and decided to send us messages and emails and leave voicemails mm-hmm. because, you know, 
It's like, thank you, Deborah from Florida. I really needed to know what you think about our church here in Texas that you have nothing to do with. Um, but yeah, but but no, people didn't. But I, I do have, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I think there was a big part of me that when we lost the building and when all of that happened, it was like, oh, great. The, you know, people are, go- this is the kind of thing that I, because I know I've been a part of that world for decades. Yeah. I know the things yeah. people say, I know the things they think, you know, when that kind of thing happens. And so I'm sure people thought that of us, uh, but that was, that was one thing that we never actually heard unless That's Dan funny. could have heard that and just didn't tell me because he did receive some messages that he didn't share with me for my own sake. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. I mean, so overall, what has been the response of, uh, response leading a church that thrives in such a one politically sided state? I mean, mm-hmm. I know that kind of turns a little bit, but you know, you you are in Texas, you got cowboy fans on there over there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But you also you're a state that uh, is politically really one sided. Yeah. What has been the response of number one being a, a woman pastor, mm-hmm. but also uh, leading a church that is acceptance of the LGBTQ plus um, you know community? Yeah. Um, unfortunately we have lost a lot of belonging among fellow churches in our area. Mm. Um, yeah, we even, our youth pastor, she was a part of a collective of other youth pastors, um, you know, leading up to when we made the transition and when we made the move to being affirming those youth pastors got together and voted and decided that they no longer wanted her to be a part of that collective as well as like, cause they, they, we would, they would get their youth groups all together, you know, occasionally and they completely, you know, sort of kicked us out of that. So you um, just blacklisted your church. Basically. Yeah. 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 We, we, you know, lost so much belonging, you know, it was like, we, we knew that it was like, you know, the, we've attempted to partner uh, with another church in the area. Um, and they, you know, refused because of where we stand. And so that, you know, that's been, that's been really tough. Um, however, I will say that we also have found another beautiful way to be in community. There's been just a group of pastors in the Austin area who also all have either, you know, started their churches as affirming or have made that switch during pastoring who have also experienced the same kind of loss of belonging who we have now found community with one another, which has been really beautiful. Um, And I think as far as the political climate, it's funny because I think, (laughs) I think most of the people that would take an issue with, you know, we're, we are a church who we have, been very clear that we're not afraid to talk about the hard things and we're not afraid to speak truth to power. And, you know, we're trying our best to do that. Um, I think most people who maybe would have landed on a very conservative right wing kind of a place, they left already, you know, before, really before Mm. kind of the political climate really heated up. Um, even even before we made that move, I mean, we used to speak out against different injustices. We would speak out against, um, you know, the issues at our border, you know, when there was a child separation. We spoke out against, you know, Christian nationalism and white supremacy and all of those things and lost people when that happened. 
Um, but I think now we're in a place where the people who are a part of our community, um, not that we all think the same or that we're all exactly politically aligned, but I think the people who are a part are much more comfortable with having these conversations and recognizing the nuance and um, are not, you know, we've made it very clear that like we are not going to get in bed with a political party and we are not going to um you know, the way that a lot of these churches have, we've really called that out and, and distance ourselves from that. So I think, and I think you guys do a really good job with that. I mean, I would say just from, um, I think we've been listening for going on two months now. I mean, you guys give the opportunity for your congregation, even the congregation, just listening from their phones or from YouTube, Facebook, whatever you guys give, you guys listen and you hear people's Mm -hmm. sides. And I mean, you guys have an app and, I remember one of the Sundays you had the opportunity for it to kind of have like an open discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that to me is one thing where when we, we left our church, uh, me and my wife left our church, we didn't feel like we were connected yeah. um, because we decided to stay home and not go into church service when it opened up because we just didn't feel safe and didn't want to really uh, have to wear a mask in church and keep our kids, you know, sane, all three right. kids sane. Uh, wearing a mask and you guys give the opportunity for people to talk. And I think that's one thing that's uh, beautiful about your guys' churches. Um, you guys have kind of uh, learned from COVID and um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's great. Uh, you guys give people the platform to be able to talk and, and, and give their perspective. Uh, Janine loves to talk and she's great. Oh, um, I love her. She's a, I would love to just talk to her for, I, w- I want to go grab a beer with her. She's I just so know. nice. She's so great. And she lives in, she actually lives in Washington, which it's just so cool how that is one thing that COVID has a gift, I guess, that we found in, in all of the bleak, yeah. like terribleness of it. I'm not saying that I think, Oh, COVID was a gift. No, no, no. COVID has been terrible, but a gift that we have found in the middle of it has been people because we're virtual for the most part, mm-hmm. you know, people like you and Hannah and people like Janine, you know, who are finding community. Um, it has just been, it's been a real gift. And that's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to evolve with the time also and, and those types of things. I mean, if the we see that the church be, kind of became stagnant and it didn't really know what to do. And even when I questioned the current church that, or the church that I went to and said, hey, you could have at least given us the opportunity or, for example, a baby dedication. They had a baby dedication in person. Well, we had a baby during COVID. So mm-hmm. now I can't dedicate my baby virtually. Yeah. Um, and it's, oh, well, you didn't reach out and tell us. You knew we had a baby, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. it's 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 great to see what Icon is doing, and um, I, I really uh, encourage people if you if you're if you're in this place of where you don't really know what to do and you're you're hurt uh, politically or you're hurt uh, because of churchianity and and anything, try Icon Church just because it really is a church that wants to hear you out. It wants to listen to you and meet you really where you're at. I mean, our podcast name is Meet You, at, uh, Meet Me at the Table. And that's what I feel like uh, Icon's really, uh, you know, the banner of what Icon Church is, is meeting people where they're at. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're doing an, a virtual uh, church service for people everywhere, not just straight up in uh, Texas. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's really beautiful and it's really great. And I thank you for that. And I, I don't want to keep going because I know Craig has a question for you. I, I do actually have a question. Well, it's kind of related to what you were just talking about because mm-hmm. when we're talking about this church. And again, I've watched it a couple times as well, and it's been very inviting. 
Um, <laughs> but I think that's uh, this question actually wasn't on the list. So I'm going to surprise you with one. Um, okay. I think um, I see this as when you look at a, a, a woman pastor in a church, that's a, it's a hurdle to overcome in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that it actually restricts people from even giving you a try at this point? Mm-hmm. Because I, I think Stephen, you know, and you gave you a try and you hit, you hit home with a, a phrase that you asked him about if you didn't want to listen to um, worship. Mm-hmm. And then he passed that on to me. And I've had my eyes opened quite a bit in the last two or three years anyways. So for me, it was a, a no brainer. I'm going to try it regardless. It doesn't matter what is, is standing there talking as long as that person is engaging me and listening. But do you find that that's a, that's a hindrance for people to even try out the church? You know, that's a really great question. Um, maybe for some, um, if there are people who, you know, kind of hold to that belief that women shouldn't be pastors, I could see, you know, if someone has just, if that's all they've ever known, I could see that yeah. being a hindrance for them. Um, but honestly, I haven't really experienced that. At least I have. And if people okay. are not trying it because of that reason, they're obviously not like messaging us. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. You know, they're just not <laughs> trying it. Um, so it, it very well maybe now I will say, I think more than that would be our, I think, you know, people would probably accuse us of being a liberal church, you know, or whatever. And so I think right. that would be more of a barrier, I think, than just not enough Bible based in, your, in what you're yes. talking about and stuff. Yeah. You know, okay. because that, we that love, you know, LGBTQ people and they're fully celebrated and afraid. like that, I think is more of a barrier because of the things we say about racism, because of the things we say about Christian nationalism. Like, I think those things are more of a barrier than having a woman at the helm. So, yeah, that that is that is hopeful. That is really nice to hear that mm-hmm. that maybe we're stepping, you know, we're knocking down one wall. Maybe we're we've got yeah. seven walls to knock down at some point yeah. or eight or 10 or however many it feels like at this point. But if we're knocking down that one wall, that that would be yeah. that's hopeful to know that, yeah. that maybe that's the bigger things are the ones that's keeping them from coming and listening to you teach and preach. Than yeah, sure. you know, than you being a female pastor. So, mm-hmm. sorry, Stephen. Yes, I had a question. I wanted to jump in. It, it, just, <laughs> it, it took me off. So, um, no, I mean, I, it, to, to go off that too. I think one thing that's really tough also is as we knock down one or two walls, um, we all are rooted in such this white evangelical Christianity yeah. that even though we might uh, be in a journey of deconstructing for one two years, we still look back and go what if we're doing something wrong? Yeah. Still. And I think that's one yeah. thing that's really tough in the deconstructing. I would say that I, I hate titles. I even as a, when people said, are you a Christian? I hated, I hated mm. titles because I hated being associated with people that were just so mean. Yeah. And then even with deconstructing, I, you know, on some of the pages, I kind of see where sometimes deconstructing can, people could just be rude. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an Enneagram eight. So I'm very honest. I sometimes can come across, across as a jerk. But it's just like, I, I don't like titles of saying I'm a deconstructionist or whatever it is and or a Christian, but like, it really is tough. Like when you're rooted in Christianity growing up in this, in this world and looking back, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. And these little topics of can women be in leadership or is social justice, is, is should we talk about racial injustice? Should we talk about... Uh, the LGBTQ. If I if I just say it's okay for gays to be gay, am I just kind of conforming to what the world is, uh, you know, being okay with? Because that's what we're we're growing up told is you're just becoming worldly. Yep. Well, I, I'm not. I just want to love people. Ooh, like, you might write that yeah. down as a podcast title because I think we could uh, sit here and talk about 
the difference between worldly and churchly. Yes. <laughs> to, to, to ad nauseum at that point. Yes. And Christianity versus churchianity too. Yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And people just, you know, it's like, I've, we've all heard that. I mean, all of us who have been, you know, sort of shifting and evolving in our faith have heard that from people, you know, that we just, we're just capitulating to culture. We're just taking the easy route, which to that I would be like, really, you think this is the easy route? Cause <laughs> yeah, right. anything that easy, you know, That's but the I opposite think of easy. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm like, when you, I'm like, look at the fruit, people look at the fruit. Jesus talked about that a bad tree cannot bear good fruit and vice versa. Yep. And it's like, when I look at the fruit of what white evangelicalism is doing, you know, because really at the root of all of it is this like white supremacy, um, you know, that's like at the root of this whole thing. And so I think that if we just start to look at the fruit of what's happening to people, you know, how, how, look at the fruit of what LGBTQ folks are going through. Look at the suicide rates. Look, look at the depression rates. Look at, look at their, listen to the, I mean, we have, we have hundreds of stories of people who emailed us um, after we came out as, as affirming and were just telling us these devastating stories of losing belonging and losing their jobs and not have, you know, not knowing how to find community and, you know, look at the fruit of what's happening as white evangelical churches refuse to repent for our racism. Look what's happening around us. You know, look at the fruit of what's happening when we're subjugating women, you know, look at the fruit of what's happening when we, especially when people hold like any type of intersectional marginalized identity. Like let's look at what's happening to black trans women. Let's talk about like how all of these marginalized identities are being oppressed and the fruit of that. And so, you know, to me now, I think there, I have had lots of moments of like, well, shit, what if I'm wrong? You know, where it's like, what if I'm yeah, wrong? We all have though. I mean, yeah, that's um... We all have those times, but I think at this point, I think I, every time I start to feel that, I just remind myself to look at the fruit and then to look at the fruit of when LGBTQ folks are fully celebrated in the church. Yes. Look at the fruit of when women are able to lead and teach and pastor. Look at the fruit when we listen to um, Black folks and, and other people of color. Look at the fruit when we are listening to their leadership and when we are submitting ourselves to their leadership and like how things are shifting and changing. And so I think that that is sort of my anchor is, you know, looking at the fruit of what's mm-hmm. coming out of these shifts in theology and perspective. And to me, you know, fully accepting every human being exactly as they are has incredibly good fruit. Sounds like there's somebody in history that did that, that (laughs) did that kind of thing. It just said, whoever you are, I don't care. You're coming in, you know? Yes. If someone is driving right now, they have their hands up in the air and they are in an accident. Probably right now because like that was that was gold. Fruit. That was gold. I, I do like the fact that you, that you that, that you bring it back down to fruit. And I think you did mention one little thing in there that it's really hard. And I came from the same background you did. I I, I grew up I grew up knowing that that was a sin. That that that, that entire um, community of homosexuality was a sin. 
Mm-hmm. And I've spent the last three years trying to deprogram myself, but it creeps back in yeah. very easily. Mm-hmm. It is it is simple to, to do that. Oh, am I really making the right decision? Yeah. Am I questioning myself? Yeah. Me personally, I come back to the fact that of what I just said about Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't care. There was yeah. there was no but at the end of his sentence. It was love everyone. Yeah. And I think the idea of fruit definitely yeah. brings it home for me now. I'm going to add that to my 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 tool belt of yeah. of memory <laughs> things that I need to throw out myself when yeah. I start questioning whether I, I I you know I've I'm making the right decision on that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think if we look yeah. at this aspect of just loving people. Now, for the people that are mm-hmm. like, hey, I can't accept LGBTQ+, I can't accept some of these things, fine. Just effing love people. Stop yep. going out of your way mm-hmm. to tear someone down and spit on them when they're down. Help them out. Yep. Just that, That's one thing that just dumbfounds me is you don't have to agree with yeah. the way that a church is being run or that the way that someone is doing something. Stop going out of your way to go to town halls mm-hmm. and make someone feel stupid or going to yeah. the abortion clinic and making someone feel stupid because they made a decision yeah. that was so tough for them. Stop going yeah. to all these things, these marches, and just, just cussing people out and telling them they're stupid and that they're going to hell. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand how we can preach and say, love one another, but it doesn't mean it for certain people. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. I don't get that. Sounds like Stephen was preaching there just for a second. (laughs) I like it. I hope people are having their hands up for that one too. Let, let me let me reel Stephen in. We'll we'll throw a last question at you. We kind of throw this question at everyone. At the I end. have ADHD. He does ADHD. Uh, um, so we'll throw a last question at you, and we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, what's one small thing, and it can be small. It can be literally pick you know opening the door for someone. Small thing that you would do to make this world a better place. I love this question. Um, I think, I think for me right now, what's at the forefront of my mind is it's in the way that we're choosing to raise our kids. Um, Good one. I think, you know, raising our kids to have full autonomy, um, to be able to be fully who they are, no matter what, you know, teaching them to be curious, to question everything, even our authority, you know, like, yeah, question it. That's okay. Like, good. Push back on that, you know, to not be afraid to speak truth to power, to know that it's okay for them to think differently than we do and to still fully belong in this family. Like, you don't have to agree with us or believe the same way we do to have full belonging here. Um, I think you know, ultimately, I I think that's one way that we can help make the world better because then when our kids grow up and they leave our home and they go out in the world and they do whatever it is that they're going to do, they're going to be people who are empathetic. They're going to be people who mm-hmm. um, are curious, who are not, who aren't afraid to be friends with people they disagree with, you know, who aren't going to feel threatened um, by people who see the world differently, um, who are going to know how to listen to their body. They're going to know how to um, like be their own person and to figure out what faith looks like for them without being indoctrinated by their parents. You know, I think to me, I feel like that is one of the most important things that that I can do to help make the world better. Love it. 
That was that's a clip. That's a clip right there. That was <laughs> yeah. Stephen will be using that as a clip. He's good. Be, oh gosh, that was it was. And that's oh, that's that's a that's a podcast about parents and right. And, uh, oh, I have you know I have learned so much from I don't know if you've heard of Cindy Wong Brandt, but she does a Mm-mm. she has a podcast called Parenting Forward and a book by the same name. And oh man. Has, that's just a plug right there for any parents that are like wanting to move away from the fundamentalist like way of indoctrinating your children to like raising your kids to be fully autonomous, like independent human beings. Yeah, that's it's been incredible. That's, I'll put a link to that in the notes because that, that, that is a good one. I've actually I've read some passages out of that. So I do know that one. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Matlock, thank you very much for being on. Um, The site is Icon Church. It's E-I-K-O-N church.com. But where else can we find you? What other social media outlets are you guys on? Oh, let's see. Icon is on really mainly Instagram is and and Facebook too uh, for the church. Uh, For me personally, I mostly hang out around Twitter and Instagram. Um, So... Yeah, so Kelly Matlock on Instagram and Kelly K. Matlock on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Excellent. you can find us there. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and talking um, with us about a myriad of different subjects. <laughs> Stephen, you want to add anything? No, just thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for being the pastor. I mean, I keep getting from uh, family and friends, well, we just want you to find a church. I, I found a damn church and I <laughs> love listening from afar. I don't need to enter a building to get to get the love of Christ. I can listen from afar and truly be able to just live my life in peace. And yeah. right now your church has given me so much peace and love. And I, I really appreciate everything that uh, you've done as a, as a pastor. Um, just thank you because, you know, my daughter gets to look up and see a woman being a pastor and, mm, you know, yes. even, even if she doesn't want to be a pastor, she can see that women can be of authority and speak yes. over men and men can listen and just, get something from it. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for your kind words and for the encouragement. And I'm so that just like, that makes my heart so happy that you and your family are finding belonging here, you know, and um, I just appreciate it. It has been so nice talking with both of you and getting to, you know, meet you face to face, you know, via via the the internet, the new norm, the The COVID face to face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And we'll put all the links to all your uh, locations out there on the, on the notes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that was an interesting conversation. Uh, that was enjoyable. Amazing. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed Kelly from Icon Icon Church. Um, so once we put this out, it's actually going to be on uh, Spotify. And Spotify will actually have an area for a question. So I think we're going to start adding questions to our podcast. So if you're listening to this, go check us out on Spotify. There'll be a question there. You can answer it. Uh, I think we might try and do it on episode two. We'll see if we can get it, sneak that in. Uh, if you, well, you would be listening to episode two before. But if it's not, make sure you check this one out because it will have a question on it. Yeah. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can go over to the Anchor FM app, search uh, Meet Me at the Table podcast, and just leave us a voicemail. If you want to leave us some hate mail, or if you want to leave us some questions regarding this episode or any episode, or 
whatever you want to talk to us about. Uh, they're one minute clips. So if you have a uh, 30 minutes worth of talking to us, leave us 30 minutes uh, worth of uh, voicemails. We would love that too. Or let's say you're listening to us only on like Amazon or Apple or Spotify and you want to see our beautiful faces, head over to YouTube and search Meet Me at the Table podcast where we actually have our episodes on video. I'd love to have your dialogue on there as well. And you can find us on Twitter at Meet Me Podcast, at Meet Me Podcast. Uh, and I, I, we also have a link tree. You can actually go to the link tree and find us everywhere. Uh, but if you do listen to us on a podcast platform, uh, let's say Apple Podcast or, or Google Podcast, or um, I can't, there's so many we're on right now, you'd have to go to the Anchor FM to look at it. But if you do listen to us on those, li- leave us a like. Um, vote us up, leave us a like, give us the high marks, whatever you want to do, or give us a low marks if you really don't think we're that good at it. Um, but please leave us something on there because it helps us to get out to other people, helps other people find us. Yes. Thank you so much. Truly mean that.